Amen. You may be seated. There's uh, no camp pointway this morning either for our kids, so it's a, a little different Sunday. I want to publicly thank Joe for preaching for me last week as I was away back east, and uh, uh, I was reminded uh, as I was getting back off the plane this weekend, coming back, that um, three years ago I did the same thing. We came here, and it was cold, and it was negative degrees, and so um, thank you for the reminder and for chilling things up a little bit. Um, but in case you were wondering, we were in church last week. We, we did make it to church service, and uh, I was actually able to preach at Jared's church, which was kind of neat, and uh, the church that Jared's attending now, and um, they have two services. So I had double duty last week. I had to preach two messages. But don't worry, you get a brand new one this week. I'm not preaching last week's message over again. Um, it was on transition because it's kind of an in-between Sunday last week. Joe had that, that dubious duty of doing a sermon in between Christmas and New Year's. That's kind of that time where you're in between and it's tough to start something new and you know, it's still Christmas, but you're not really quite Christmas anymore, and so it's that in-between. And, uh, but I get this morning to start a new series, and you get to come along with me on that new series, and we're going to be in it for a couple of months, because um, it's going to take us a little while to get through it, but we're going to start in First Peter, and so we're going to start working on that. Um, I'll let you know that I was back east as a warning. My R's will probably move around a little bit this morning. Um, I did have some chowder and some clam cakes and all the good seafood, but my R's will probably float back in and out this morning, but that's okay. You can chuckle, you can laugh if you're visiting, that's going, yeah, anyways for me, so uh, the guys back there in the booth are going, yeah, and we hear it all the time, so Peter, Peter is one of those guys in the Bible that I can identify with. I mean, first of all, Peter was a fisherman, so that's first and foremost, we got that in common. Um, one of the other things about Peter is he quite often did things before he thought about them or he spoke before he thought. And again, I can identify with that and done that many times. And some of you are shaking your heads because you understand that, that point as well. But Peter was also chosen as a leader, leader even among the apostles. And he was chosen first. I don't know if you know that or not, but he was the, the first one that Jesus, after praying, went and sought after. And so Peter is that, that one that's from the very beginning with Jesus and all along. And again, the other disciples came fairly quickly, but Peter is the one that was there at the very beginning and the leader. And he becomes that leader later on in life as well, and especially after Jesus leaves, he becomes that leader. And it's interesting enough that we even know about Peter that he ends up having a hard time with Paul. Him and Paul get into an argument. I know that's hard to believe. Can you believe that? Two brothers in Christ, two great leaders together, and they actually had a disagreement and, and they had a little bit of an argument. And Paul actually, you know, rebuked Peter publicly to, to straighten him out. And, and so Peter has to grow. He has to grow in his relationship. And by the time we get to 1 Peter, he's a little bit more mature, maturer. There we go. Is that a word? Maturer? Uh, well, there's an R in that one. But, anyways, he comes along in life. And so he's speaking now as an older man. He's traveled, he's seen a lot, and it's a time when the churches are under persecution. In fact, they're under very heavy persecution at this point when he writes this. 
And he writes to encourage, and again, we, we say church is because the intent is for this letter to not only go to one church, but to go and be distributed around to the other churches. And Peter's going to address a large number of folks. See that here in the past and is going to encourage them as they are coming under heavy persecution. And so you'll see that here in the passage. Um, but hopefully you have your Bibles with, me, with you. Um, get off the prayer app if you're on your, your phone. And, uh, and PJ, I was laughing as she was working through that, because if you know PJ at all, she's not that technical, but she does pretty good, you know, and she's getting there all the time with her cell phone. First uh, Peter chapter 1, before I get in any trouble this morning. Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ... Again, he identifies himself. There's, there's not much debate about who wrote the book. Uh, Peter is, is the author. There's pretty distinct here. Again, he identifies himself as an apostle of Jesus Christ. Again, that's there from the beginning, like I said. Now to who he's writing to. To God's elect, exiles scattered throughout the providence of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, Bithynia, who have been chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father through the sanctifying work of the Spirit to be obedient to Jesus Christ and sprinkled with his blood. Again, a standard greeting and as he's, he's opening up and he's, he's talking to this group and again, he's, he's trying to get them interested in, in obviously what he has to say and so he's drawing them in a little bit and again, as the opening, it helps us identify who he's speaking to. And if you were to look on a map and look at some of these areas, it's actually in what today would be called northern Turkey. It's an interesting area because today that's pretty far away from Christianity altogether. But at the time when he wrote it, there were a number of churches. In fact, those churches had some pretty good speakers at that time. John's been known to go through some of those churches, obviously Paul and Peter as well. And they're established at this point when Peter's writing this, and so he's calling them out and letting them know, hey, I know you're there. I know where you're at. And again, he calls them exiles because the church originally started obviously in Jerusalem and as persecution, they moved out and kept moving out and being scattered and, and moved out to these outlying areas. And so Peter's talking to them. One of the other things that we notice about this opening and to this letter is uh, we see the, the three figures of God here, the God the Father, Jesus Christ, and the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, are all mentioned. Yes, I know I've studied and, and I've heard it said many times, Trinity is not in the Bible, but obviously we have uh, all three there, and they're listed here, and, and Peter doesn't put those in there by chance. He puts them in there on purpose. He also uses some of those larger words that I have to go and look up, sanctifying work. You know, that's not a word that we normally use, but sanctification is that set apart for Christ. And that's an ongoing work, right? That's a, a work that progress that we, as we continue to grow in our relationship with Christ and we tend to hopefully grow spiritually. And though we need help in that, right? He identifies that help comes from the Holy Spirit, right? And we've talked about that in the past. He also mentions that we have to be obedient, right? It's not only just to know it, but to have to do it. Those are always the, the tough part, right? I, I can know what the right thing is to do, but then to put it into practice and do it takes a lot more work. And so Peter's not on any illusion. He knows these folks, and so he's addressing them. 
And then he wraps up his greeting by saying, grace and peace be yours in abundance. Again, which was common in that day, especially for a Jewish believer uh, to give that, right? Grace and peace. And not just a little, but a lot. Grace and peace in abundance. So that's the opening. Now we get into the meat, although there's quite a bit of meat all the way through this and even in that beginning. But I love this next verse, verse 3. Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Let's stop right there for a minute. Again, that's a lot to, to chew on. And again, I would encourage you to go back and read that through this week. But again, he's praising the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, for his salvation. Right? Again, one of those things that we tend to not often think about, right? Once we're saved and we've been down the road a ways and we start to mature, we, we tend to forget about it. But what a privilege that is to have. And again, he talks about it as a new birth, right? It's a new beginning. It starts afresh, appropriate on the new year, right? That, that, that new start. But he talks about a, a living hope. And we, we did hope a few weeks ago, didn't we? I mean, going back to, right? Anyone remember what hope stood for? H was help? No. I need help. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. Wow, come on, guys. It was only it was like three weeks ago. It wasn't that long. P was Brit, right? Uh, Holy Spirit, others. P was for purpose. There we go. Some of you get it. And then E was for eternal life, right? And that's now they're speaking up. Now they're getting it. All right. If you're visiting, you'll understand. Again, that's part of our, our thing here. We go back and forth, and I don't ask rhetorical questions. I, I ask questions waiting for an answer. So. But this, this hope that he's talking about here is that eternal hope, right? Which certainly what we had looked at in that hope. Again, it's not the, the wishy hope. It's a hope that's assured. And again, that salvation has a much broader meaning. Not only our salvation in Christ, but that salvation is a, a deliverance, right? We're no longer captive to sin and death, but we have hope, hope in the future, hope through the resurrection. In fact, Paul makes that very clear, right, when we, we study the resurrection, that if there's no resurrection in the gospel, then it's no gospel at all. It's dead. It's vital to the gospel. It's, in fact, it's, it's where everything kind of hinges upon that resurrection, Again, not only did Jesus go through that, but he gives us that same rite of passage as believers. Right? So death is not the end. We, we sang that song, it was, and Linda did a good job of picking those out, but that song that death does not hold us, we're free, free in Christ. You can also imagine that these folks that are under intense persecution, right, and they're under the fear of literally any moment in time they could be put to death, how they would need that hope, right? Like this is not all there is. 
And in case you came here this morning, you didn't know it, but eventually we, we get older, we, we pass, and we don't know when our next day is or our next breath. But we can have hope, that living hope of that future in heaven. And if that wasn't enough, there's even more. And Peter makes mention of that. He talks about this inheritance, right? This guaranteed inheritance, right? There's something that's waiting for us, and it doesn't happen until after death, right? You don't get your inheritance until, until someone passes, but we get that after we pass. And again, we have salvation, we have the inheritance of heaven, but Peter's talking about something even a little bit more than that. There is something even in addition to heaven. And he talks about it being revealed in the last time. Verse 6, it says, In all this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while you may have to suffer grief of all kinds, all kinds of trials. What? You mean when I get saved, things don't go smooth, things don't get easy, right? It's not smooth sailing, everything's fine? No, it doesn't mean that for the believer, right? There's no guarantee that. We are still going to go through difficult circumstances. We're going to go through difficult times. If you want to study trials, a good place to go would be James. James talks about this, right? Those trials that we go through. And those trials are actually for our benefit. I know that's hard to say, and it's hard to, if you're in the middle of that this morning, uh, don't be upset with me, but trials are helpful to us. In fact, we grow probably the most when we're in the middle of a trial. Trials also reveal things about us that we wouldn't know otherwise. You know, how deep is our faith? You know, put us in a trial and it'll come out. And like I say, we, we get squeezed a bit, right? Things ooze out of us. And sometimes those are good, sometimes those are bad. But we need those trials to bring that to light. And so Peter knows that these folks are probably going to do some suffering. There's suffering coming. And yet, he's still talking about hope. In fact, verse 7 says, These have come so that your proven genuineness of your faith, of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by the fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Again, he's talking about when you go through those things and being squeezed, it's almost like that fire that's refining, right? Gold has a lot of impurities in it. In fact, they have to heat it up to a pretty high temperature. And when they do, things come to the top or the surface, and they skim that off, and they may have to reheat it several times to get it to be pure. And it's almost the, the illustration he's using here, why things are the same things. As we go through trials... Things come out, we identify things or maybe some weak areas or some things that we didn't even know, and they need to be refined. They need to be taken out, put off, right? And it doesn't, it's not a one and done for most of us. It's a continual, right? Or there may be another trial that reveals something else that needs to be worked on. But look at the result. The result is... Praise, glory, and honor when Jesus revealed, right? Again, he's allowed that trial to happen to you for a reason, for your betterment, but also for his glory. 
right? It's, it's a good reminder when we're going through a trial to be focusing on God through that as he carries us through, but also to praise him for it. Again, difficult sometimes when you're in the middle, but that's the purpose. Then he goes on here a little bit more. Again, Peter's encouraging them. This is part of this letter is encouragement, but it's also to help them grow. And it's, verse 8 says, Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Again, do we see Jesus now in bodily form? No. So then this would apply for us as well, right? We're, we're in that stage and that place now where Jesus has already been born. We celebrate that. He's been death on the cross, resurrected. He's in heaven. And now we're in that same place. So even though we don't see him, we can still love him. We can still praise him. We still believe in him. We have that here, what Peter is talking about. Many would say that is our faith, right? So believe in Jesus and what he did on the cross. And so Peter is, again, encouraging them that, hey, you'll see him. You are someday going to see Jesus. That's promised to you as a believer. Verse 10 interesting here as we continue to work through this. It says, concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and the circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of the Messiah and the glories that would follow. Again, remember, as you read the Old Testament, as you're reading through that, prophets kept predicting this was going to happen. And again, as we just celebrated Christmas, everything about it was predicted ahead of time. That's why we say there's no doubt that Jesus was the Messiah. Just as it was said in the Old Testament, it's just how it happened. We have the benefit of looking back and we can see that. Can you imagine, again, if you will, these prophets who were saying, hey, we know this is going to happen, it's coming, and they're expecting it to happen tomorrow, and it doesn't quite happen yet. In fact, they, they passed away without ever seeing it. I think here, Peter, as he's getting older in life, he's seen a lot of things, and he knows even Jesus' words, right? It's, it's coming, the, the, the king is coming, but he hasn't come yet, right? The rapture hasn't happened yet. It's still waiting. In fact, we're 2,000 years removed almost, and we're still waiting. But it's coming. It is definitely coming. And so as they were looking for, we are still in that spot where we are looking forward to what's to come. Verse 12, it says, It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you, when they spoke of these things that have been now told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even the angels long to look into these things. Right? There's that expectancy, right? And again, in history and time, we, we are limited by our, our own little lives in many ways, right? 
from each generation to generation. But again, God is not restricted by that time. And in light of eternity, it's still a relatively short time. It's interesting, but even the angels are waiting for that day. Obviously, Jesus even told us when he was here, right? No man knows the hour or the time. But we are to be expecting that. And again, for these believers, that would bring them great hope, right? That, hey, this world is not all there is. And even though things are tough, there is that hope of that future. Peter also reveals or leads here to believe that there is more to life than just salvation even. Right? There's, there's things for us yet to do. And so, with that being said, he transitions here in verse 13. He, he pivots on it a little bit. Now that I've laid all this foundation, now that I've got your attention, here's what is next. The great transition word here, therefore, in verse 13. It says, Therefore, with minds that are alert and fully somber, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all that you should do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Like I said, there's a point in time when we know truth and then we have to put it into practice, right? And Peter's, in some ways, has set this up now, right? He's, hey, because of all these things, because of your faith, because of your hope and because of eternal life and your salvation, here's what you do in the meantime. Here's where you put it into practice. And I tell you, this is the same message for us today as it was for the readers back then. And look where he starts off. He starts off with our minds, right? Therefore, with minds that are alert, right? Set your hope, right? Be alert. Be conscious. I like to take that as being purposeful, right? You need to focus. That can be difficult to do, right? To focus on things. I think today we, we struggle with that with so many distractions, so many things going on. But he said, hey, wake up, focus, right? need to be purposeful in this. And it talks about setting your hope, right? Being purposeful and setting it on what's already been said, that hope that we have in Christ. Verse 14 has that, that word that's hard, again, to do, um, obedience, right? Because of our salvation, we need to be obedient to what God says. And he's saying, don't, do no longer conform. Do not, do not conform. There we go. I knew I could get that out to the evil desires, right? We have that battle going on. Like I said, salvation doesn't change our circumstances, doesn't change necessarily our behavior. We have to work on that, right? That's that inner battle that we have. Our sin nature is still there, even as believers. It's not smooth sailing always once we're saved. But he's saying, hey, you have the knowledge, right? You're no longer ignorant. You're not, this is not before salvation. You're, he's talking to believers. You have it within you to be obedient. And so he calls us and God calls us to be holy. All right? 
In fact, he says it twice, right? So be holy in all you do, right? Not just holy in your being, but holy in how we act and how we do. And when I look at that, I look at that as a, a daunting task. I probably don't go very far in my day before I mess that up, to be honest, right? That's a difficult task. But yet, that's the goal. That's the, the bar that's been set. That's what we need to be striving for, right? Now, there's a lot that's involved with that, and we're not going to unpack all that this morning. But again, if that's the call, that's the bar, then, you know, we even start that. It goes back to being obedient, listening to the Spirit, being in God's Word, prayer, certainly. Prayer would be key to that, and as PJ mentioned, the 40 days of prayer, but we should be a people who pray. Prayer is one of those things that helps us. It helps align us with God's will. That's going to help us to do the right thing, to be holy. And again, it's not to be holy just for an outward appearance, but it's to be holy because of who we follow, because of Christ, and because of what he did for us which this morning we're going to celebrate in a few moments, communion. And that's that opportunity to, to bring it back around, to remind us of that salvation. So I've given you a lot this morning to, to wrestle with and a lot to kind of grapple with. But my hope is that you will meditate on it or marinate on it, if you're either one, and that you despite your circumstances, despite what you're going through, that you just spend some time with God and let him continue to do that work in you. Bow with me, please. Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. And Lord, it is, seems a daunting task to be holy. But Lord, we also know that you provided a way a way for us to do that, and you've given us help. That you've given us your word, you've given us believers, you've given us the Holy Spirit inside of us. Lord, help us to be obedient to that. Help us to not forget the things that you've commanded. Help us to, to grow in our relationship with you. Lord, may it be our prayer this morning that in 2022 that we grow deeper and deeper in love with you and that we follow you with all of our heart, our mind, and our strength. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask if I can get a couple of guys to come forward, a couple of our elders this morning as we prepare for communion. Our communion table is an open communion table, and that meaning that if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, um, you're open and welcome to participate in that. Uh, we take communion seriously, but it's open to the body of Christ. And so, but we also want and we would love to have you join us as a family as we do that. But we also do it with caution, and we do it with reverence and respect. And what we like to do here is uh, as Scripture gives us that warning, is to take a few moments. And Scripture tells us, it says, So whenever you eat of the bread or drink from the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner, 
you will be guilty of sinning against the body and the blood of the Lord. Everyone ought to examine themselves before they eat of the bread or drink from the cup. For those who eat and drink without discerning the body of Christ, eat and drink judgment on themselves. And so what we do here at Point Way is we just take a few moments and just right where you're at, just bow your head, close your eyes, and just between you and the Lord, take a few moments between you and God. Joe, if he'll give thanks for the cup and the bread that we are about to receive.
There's two cups and they're together. Scripture goes on to tell us, it says, For I received from the Lord what I also pass on to you. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took the bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Goes on and says, In the same way, after supper, he took the cup. This cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this, and whenever you drink it, remember me. For whenever you eat this bread and drink from this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes again. It's also a good opportunity to take it as a reminder for those who do not know Christ um, to this week, maybe give them the opportunity to share Christ with them and so that they could join in that table as well as that living hope that you have here this morning. If you'd stand with me as we uh, close out our service this morning. Uh, again, it's uh, abbreviated because of musicians and music and things, so hopefully you'll take a little extra time and just spend getting to know each other and talking a little bit. Uh, your car will be about the same temperature either way when we get out of here, so uh, but bow with me, please. Gracious Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this morning. I thank you for each person that's here, Lord. And Lord, as we head into this week, remind us of that living hope that we have in you. Lord, may we be encouraged. May we be strengthened. Lord, may we also be bold enough to share that with someone else. Lord, I thank you again for today. Give us traveling mercies as we leave this place. And may we be a blessing to not only you, but to others. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.